The Grow Kinder podcast features conversations with thought leaders in education, business, tech, and the arts, who all share one thing in common, a dedication to growing kinder in their work and lives, and helping others do the same. Brought to you by Committee for Children. Today, we talk with Rachel Levin, an elementary teacher in rural Kentucky. An educator for over seven years, Rachel believes in the power of social-emotional learning to transform the lives of students. Rachel talks with us about early formative experiences in her career as a teacher, the importance of self-care in preventing teacher burnout, and what her grandmother taught her about kindness. Here is your host, Andrea Lovenhill. Hi, Grow Kinder listeners. It's just me today, Andrea. I'm taking over, and we're recording this during a time when a lot of U.S. public schools are on break. And because of that, I'm lucky enough to have my cousin, Rachel Lovin, an elementary school teacher, with me here. And Rachel, this is your first visit to Seattle, where I've chosen to make my home. So I thought it'd be fun for us to just chat a little bit about your experience as a classroom teacher and your thoughts on social-emotional learning. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> now, I, I don't normally do this, but I do have some rules of the road specifically for you. Okay. okay. Sounds good. So, <laughs> number one, no embarrassing stories about me. <laughs> <laughs> number two, don't say anything that would get either of us fired. <laughs> uh, and number three, have a good time and be yourself, but, you know, like, not too much. <laughs> that's, my, that's my recommendation for you. Okay. <laughs> When you were considering what you wanted to do, was it always teaching? Was it something that just sort of occurred to you? What drove you that way? So like in second grade, I had a teacher, Miss Jordan, who she let me work with a kid who had learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know he had learning. Now as an adult, I realized that that was what was going on. But specifically with his spelling words, mm-hmm. I would learn. Or I would teach him how to uh, memorize his spelling words and we would practice together. And at the end of the day, she would let me teach the kids her calendar time. I would be able to like teach them that. And from where, you know, our uncle is deaf, Mm -hmm. I told her that I knew sign language. I don't know sign language, I just know the alphabet. But she let me teach the kids the alphabet alphabet and sign language like one letter a day. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, when teachers have that fun, cute little, you know, class clown award, you know, mm-hmm. the most likely to be president award, yeah. she gave me um, the student teacher award. No, and um, she was like, "You'll be president. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be. <laughs> you will definitely be a teacher." <laughs> you know, and uh, it was really funny, like going back to. Like, my grade school things that my mom has kept, you know, in boxes, big Avon boxes Mm -hmm. downstairs in the basement. You know, we have all of the binders um, from, like, the gifted program. I was only gifted in leadership and in just all of the, (laughs) all of the things. It's nothing is checked off in reading, math, writing, Mm -hmm. you know, critical thinking. Exceptional leadership. No creativity. (laughs) But it checks off leadership and then it says very bossy nice. <laughs> you know yeah. that's the comments were always just very bossy you're, you're gifted with bossiness <laughs> i was actually just thinking you know when you said that uh, it was interesting that you were chosen to do some of that um help in the classroom because i also i in first grade i think i was ahead in reading and they had me 
sit in a corner of the classroom and help kids that were behind in reading in first grade. And then actually in sixth grade, they, my teacher taught me the, you know, the symbols for editing and he had me edit kids' papers. And so I was just thinking, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a teacher. I, I wanted to, you know, kind of work in nonprofit and right. work for a mission. And I'm really happy that that mission is focused on children and, and no kind of bettering the lives of children where we can. Um, but, uh, maybe the through line here is that we have a family uh, that is skilled at bossiness. <laughs> Definitely. That's maybe our, yeah, our kind of, you know, that's we we are instructive. Deep set. Deep set in us. We're very it's, good. It's, it's, that's it. That's it. I knew I was going to teach. I knew I was going to teach uh-huh. kids. I knew I definitely wanted to teach kindergarten when I started, like, college. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're so cute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you'd been working in uh, preschools and daycares right. through high school, Definitely. Right? So yeah. it was like, oh, well, it would not be a big change and a big difference. My first job was, you know, like sixth grade. My first classroom <laughs> was sixth grade. The very opposite. Oh, no, it was awesome. It was perfect. Yeah. So what's kind of the most formative experience you've had so far as a teacher? Well, I think it's just been like collectively knowing all of my students, like getting to know the lives of all of my kids. When I started teaching, I had this mindset that every single student is going to walk in the door and and we're going to have great lessons 100% of the time (laughs) and it's going to go 100% according to plan. And if it doesn't, you know, I will be able to, you know, adapt to any situation, just talk in my sweet, loving voice. (laughs) And they're just going to love me no matter what and do what I say, no matter (laughs) what, because I love them and they love me and things are just going to be great. And the truth is that doesn't happen ever. You know, (laughs) things don't go according to plan. And I think the most rewarding thing about teaching and like the thing that I have um, changed the most through teaching has been just the reason why. Mm -hmm. And to get these kids to understand their unlimited ability that they have, you know, as long as they put forth the effort that they really have um, the ability to do anything that they they want to um, and, and they all are good at things mm-hmm. you know they're all good at things and sometimes we're not good at reading and sometimes we're not the best at math but um, really teaching to the students and that's one of the reasons why I like second step is that you know maybe I'm not a great reader and maybe I'm not a great mathematician but I can empathize really well with people you know and that yeah you were talking about how you wish that there was more emphasis on not just the traditional academic skills yeah, but that absolutely. kids could feel successful and that and also I think you're talking a little bit about things that are in the category of growth mindset like maybe they're not the best yet right that three letter and word. so yeah, just yet. and just thinking like you can be great at you can be really skilled socially you can be great at relationships you could be creative you could be that there are these strengths there's that room aren't, for you yeah, you know there's yeah. room for you there's room for you to mm-hmm. excel yeah, yeah absolutely and i think that a lot of folks are recognizing that teacher burnout is a big challenge and there's a lot of high turnover and those kinds of things so be nice to your teachers <laughs> be so nice to your teachers because good teachers leave teaching because of that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that they, you know 
busy taking care of others and and not teachers and nurses I feel like are doing yeah we come from a family of nurses so we <laughs> you were you were like I'll take the teaching route <laughs> oh I ain't there. handling bodies now <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah I think that it's just been instilled to take care of people mm-hmm. you know and and that was modeled to us by how our family did their job mm-hmm and also that separation and watching, you know, your own self-care and burnout was not very effectively modeled. It's really hard to do when you're yeah, I nursing, mean, working night shifts, yeah. those things. Yeah. But, you know. They... Self-care. Um, uh, one of my fellow teachers texted me. We have, it's kind of been an ongoing joke, more or less, <laughs> that we've had words of the year, you know, yeah, like yeah, intentional that's a or whatever. And, <laughs> She said, okay, 2020, it's self-care. self-care. And I was like, what is this self-care? Uh-huh. And she was, you know, I want to text her back. I haven't texted you back, Emma, but, you know, I was like, we will go to the bathroom when we need to this <laughs> right? year. This year is the year that The bar's low. <laughs> exactly. Self-care. This is the year that teachers go to the bathroom. Yeah. We're starting a revolution. <laughs> How do you discuss kindness, if at all, with the kids that you're teaching? We use other words, mm-hmm. especially in fourth grade. It has kind of evolved. Second steps, we teach each other what the word empathy meant at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're into the word compassion now. But something that I've really enjoyed is I start every week with 30 minutes dedicated to second step. So Monday morning when they come in, we know that we're, we're going to do our second step lesson throughout the whole week it is connected to all of the lessons and not by me it's by the kids Mm -hmm. because we take you know time with the lesson to have the turn and talk the think pair share you know turn to your partner and talk about this is so crucial and it doesn't just end with the second step lesson with the second step lesson it's kind of like all right that's our that's our sermon for the for the week and let's let's spread it out for Mm -hmm. the rest and I'm a reading teacher, so specifically when my students see evidence of compassion or empathy or lack of empathy, you know, they'll pop their hand, Miss Levin, this is a connection, you know, to, hmm. you know, and, and when because of Winn-Dixie, she's showing compassion to these characters, you mm-hmm. know, and empathy. And we also have problem solving in our class, like if there's issues in the classroom, like little with little things that... Students have, like, fights during class, especially. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about, okay, what would the kindest way to resolve this be? What mm-hmm. would the kindest way? Or what would, if we can make the situation perfect, like, this is a problem, how can we make this perfect? It's not going to be perfect, but how can we make it as close as, as we can? And we use a lot of the vocabulary from second step from that, mm-hmm. too. And how do your kids, how do you see them acting toward each other? Like, what are the kinds of things that you want to really call out when you see it? so that you see more of it. Oh, so something, one of the coolest things that I've seen since I've been teaching actually happened before I came here to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And it's just like been something that has grabbed hold of my heart. Um, I have a student who has some struggles with some impulsiveness and makes some, some decisions that aren't always the best and Because of that, he struggles having friends sometimes, Mm -hmm. and he just had to go, you know, to the the office, to the principal's office, and wasn't able to participate in 
our party because of an episode of, you know, it was a disrespect thing. And so the Friday before we got let out for break, I had a student and he had all these gifts in his hands. And I was like, kiddo, what's going on with this? You know, like, what, why do you have all these gifts? And he was like, only one of them is for you. And I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. But what, you have many more than one and you have one teacher. You're like, what's going on? And he said, I, I just know that he is gonna have a lonely Christmas this, this year. And he was like, you know, I want to, sh- I'm showing him empathy. Hmm. And okay, so like, yeah, a lot of tears. <laughs> like, immediately was like, oh my gosh, this kid's heart is amazing. And so naturally, we call his mama <laughs> and was like, hey, we just want to let you know that this kid, I mean, they weren't even friends. You know, it's not even like they hung out in the same friend mm-hmm. groups. But he just recognized that he just it was recognized going to be a struggle and wanted to do something. Just the awareness, mm-hmm. I think, was amazing. So anyway, calls mama and we were like, hey, just wanted to let you know you're doing a heck of a job, <laughs> you know, with this kid. And she's like, really? This is just my kid? And she said that he was been talking about compassion and empathy at home. Mm-hmm. And they took on... A kid from our school who was less fortunate couldn't afford a Christmas and they made a wish list the kid made a wish list for what he wanted it was given to our FRC mm-hmm. read our family resource coordinator family resource coordinator gives it to this mother mother shows the son this is what we can you know what we can buy but this is my budget and our budget we can't buy all of these things he took his Christmas fund and bought everything on this kid's list. Wow. You know? You just thought that was just most important. Amazing. Like, just amazing. Just this bigger picture of it's not about me. You know, it's about how we treat others. And mm-hmm. paying it forward, I think. Because now this kid has a best friend. Mm-hmm. You know? Whether he likes it or not. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he intended. But he does. And, huh. you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to coming back from school and seeing... The effect of that. Absolutely. The ripple, the tidal wave. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that the hardest part of addressing social emotional skills and competencies is in the classroom? Family life. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, I know my kids, but I don't know all that they've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I know the tip of the iceberg, and that's mm-hmm. not a lot. You know, that's I might see 25%, and, and I see them for eight hours, you mm-hmm. know, but that, that's not a lot. And yeah, if they have these other other lives. and So just addressing things. things that are tough, because they some of them come from some things, that you know, some circumstances, some trauma that they end up sharing with me. And for me, a lot of thing is like how to appropriately address this to where I don't like where my personal beliefs kind of step aside you know take the personal out and look at it clinically Mm -hmm. that's very difficult for Mm -hmm. me because I want to Mm -hmm. diagnose and help and be a counselor and I'm not a counselor (laughs) I am very much a teacher and that's Mm. hard sometimes yeah that sounds hard yeah one of the reasons that I really felt like I couldn't go into direct services just having to you know it's great to be there and experience it with them and but that was something I also saw I think in the nurses and our family it was just 
like it's really hard to see other people's pain so closely and often that's not the case for every I mean there's so many things about teaching that aren't that but there are some kids sometimes many kids but that's a that struggle are, you know yeah. it has I haven't had a year where that hasn't been yeah you know it hasn't been a struggle <laughs> yeah um so we always kind of chat with people on the podcast about those who've made a real difference in their lives like a, a mentor or somebody that had a positive impact on you growing up What's your template for how you want kids to see you or who had that effect on you? Emily Terry was my Spanish teacher when I was a freshman in high school. And gosh, freshman in high school, Rachel, you just need a hugger. Go back and <laughs> hug her if you see her, you know? Oh my goodness. She was somebody in a time in my life where it was like a constant earthquake, mm -hmm. you know, not for any other circumstances, except I was a 14 year old girl, good grief, you know, mm -hmm. but she was a solid rock for me that I know that I could have come at her with anything. I could have mm -hmm. come at her with any problem that I had and she would is going to love me and accept me with open arms. And that lasted for the rest of my high school. And then our paths crossed um, through a local gym. We ended up both having part-time jobs there. And she became one of my like closest friends. And what was really awesome was the way that she was in school didn't change at all from the way that she treated me outside of school. You know, she was the same loving, open-armed, you know, come at me with anything, I got you woman in school as she was out of school. And that kind of love is what I had to show people. You know, I had to show people that, you know, I, I don't care what you're coming at me with in, in this crazy world that we're living in. I, I'm gonna be your teacher and I, I got you. I got you this year, I got you next year, I got you when you're a senior, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so. your kind of template for how yeah. you want the kids to leave your class. Yeah, I had a couple of teachers that I felt were really great at the relationship part and at the trying to make you feel like you belonged and, you know, that, that they cared specifically about you. And I think that's such a value to kids in general, but also like if you're a kid who really needs it, to have that one person is so important. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is that people are going to forget how you worked with them, but they're not going to forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. hmm. So you've seen good effects for your kids. What do you think's needed at the adult level? We talk about social-emotional learning like a process. You're never perfect at it. You are always working on it. So what do you yes, think would benefit? Communication. Yeah. It can't be just – communication is not something – if you retire and you're like, you know, I've nailed communication. I've got it down. You're lying. Like, <laughs> you're not telling the truth because it's just something that we can always be better at. And I think that just at the adult level, buy-in – Mm -hmm. And realizing that there is real worth in treating people kindly. Mm -hmm. There's real worth. There's real value in being aware of how we speak to each other and how we treat each other and how we can lift each other up with our words or we can really put each other down. I think that teachers have to buy in before we get the students to buy in anytime. Training, I think, would be crucial, and there needs to be some sort of accountability in the classrooms that, you know, training has happened and that these things are being implemented. That's my 
Get you off my podium. Your wish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be nice to yeah. each other. That's what my, yeah, be kind. That's what our grandmother says. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I hear you, Nana. Yeah. I hear you. Our, our grandmother has been a nurse for 50 some odd years. 50, probably 55. I mean, she's been at her current work for so 60 years. She invented nursing. Yeah, so she's been a nurse for 60 years, and she was a recognized as a hometown hero in our in our hometown. It's a segment that they do on our local TV station in Kentucky, and we we're so proud of her. We're very proud of her. So proud very of lucky her. to have her. She's amazing. Like we just talk about her for a whole hour. Yeah, let's start. Or more. Let's just talk I about talk about her. Bird every day. <laughs> so, um, so our grandmother, you know, she was interviewed as a hometown hero. Had done all this nursing uh, work, and they kind of said, "Well, what do you want people? What do people need to take away from this? Like, if you had oh, one yes, piece of advice," that, and she said, "Be kind, yeah, exactly. just be kind, just be kind." <laughs> that was her. Her big takeaway, and I was like, "Perfect, that's that's perfect," because that's what she really embodies is compassion and kindness, and it's a good thing to embody. Yeah, it's a good thing to it's embody. A, it's a it's a lot to live up to that we all we're it's all too trying much, to too much to live up. To. We can't do it, Nana. <laughs> no, we are. We're gonna do it, Nana. Don't worry. But you know, her her gift to us is thinking about how to make it a more compassionate world, yeah. how to make people safer and healthier, and and that that should be something that we're all striving for. So we're striving for thriving. That's right. Striving for thriving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for spending yes. this time with us. We do have to close out here, but it's been fun to talk to you about your work yeah, and about the and about the teaching experiences that you've had and. I'm so happy that you came to visit Seattle. Me too. You'll come back. Seattle is awesome. Oh yeah, I'm coming back. I'm coming back and I'm bringing people. So yeah, watch okay. out, Seattle. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Rachel Levin, Kentucky elementary teacher. You can find more episodes at growkinderpodcast.org and make sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher.